three historic nonprofit organizations are moving forward under the same name with the introduction of Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. The name represents all services, programs, and opportunities offered by Portage Health Foundation, Dial Help, and Copper Country Senior Meals. While there's a new name, the mission remains the same, to positively influence a healthful community through enhanced philanthropy and collaboration. The combined effort will lead to better opportunities to identify and fill gaps in services and programming in Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Onsenoggin counties. Visit coppershores.org to learn more. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming to Copper Country today. This portion of the program is covering the Keweenaw County Historic Society's Adventures in History Speaker Series. I am Thomas Fournier. With me today, I have Don Severa and Mel Jones, who I'm the president of the Keweenaw County Historic Society. Happy well, to be here, Thomas. Thank you guys for coming on in. It's going to be a pretty fun and exciting summer for you guys up in Keweenaw <laughs> County. Uh, just in a couple of weeks, you guys got your first speaker series, and that event is on June 27th, the people of the Keweenaw before industrial mining. Uh, you're also going to be joined by MTU professor uh, Carol McLennan. Yeah. Correct? All right. Uh, you guys want to tell me a little bit about that, Don? Yeah, well, you know, um, this is a really good one because people always talk about our history and what we inherited from the people who came before us. And Carol is an excellent researcher. I've known her for a long time, and she is a good presenter, but she's an excellent researcher, and she will do a bang-up job. This um, should be a session that would be of interest to everyone. So with this uh, particular uh, speaking event, we're going to be looking over the Ojibwa settlements in the Keweenaw and some of the mining that happened back then. That's correct. Um, with that, any idea as to some of the details that she'll be speaking on for that event? No, I can't give you details. You have to attend this session. Uh, she'll have details, though. You can count on that because uh, she's been at it a long time, and she's a, a cultural anthropologist. She's uh, published books, and uh, I, I think um, no one will be disappointed. Awesome. And then going into July, there's going to be a number of different events and with this speaker series. First one that's going to be on July 12th is Bon Voyage, which is going to be talking about a packet steamer ship that had caught fire, I believe? Yes, it did. And um, there's some mystery around it because um, of the interest of the lives that were saved versus the lives that were lost. Uh, there were a number of women on there, but only one woman survived. Um, it's a mystery. <laughs> and uh, I... I can't uh, speak authoritatively about it, but as mysteries uh, go, this is an interesting one because it happens right in our back door, and um, there's a lot of unanswered questions about it. And with that uh, particular event, who's going to be our guest speaker for that? Well, that guest speaker is uh, Master Stephen Robley, who is a uh, U.S. Uh, Coast Guard master so after that on july 19th we're going to be hearing from joseph hayward and he's going to be talking a little bit about uh how people use history as part of their writing and fiction yes he's um, published a lot of books 
and he's well known. He's published some of his books, The Snowfly, Covered Waters, The Burkett Taxi Dancer, and uh, he blends history with stories, uh, fictional stories mostly, but he's also a poet and he's written some nonfiction as well. And um, he's pretty well known in these parts because his stories originate from the Upper Peninsula, specifically the Copper Country. So this is a really good one. Mm-hmm. And being able to tell those stories and taking history and using it as a tool to write is, is a really hard thing to do, but he seems to make it so easy. Uh, have you been able to take a look at some of his previous work? I have not, but I have friends that read every one of his books. Yeah. And uh, with that, uh, what are some of the books that he has written, uh, some of the topics that he's written about? He writes uh, stories about, um, they're actually uh, um, centered around um, um, some of our, uh, what was commonly called game wardens back in the day, mm-hmm. conservation officers, conservation detectives as well. And on the 19th, uh, what will he be speaking about in particular? Well, just about what he does and um, how a scribbler bends and blends time, memory, and history into fiction. So that underscores what I just said. He um, looks at our history and he writes stories. Awesome. And then later that month in July on the 25th, there's going to be a talk about the Delaware mine, which I've heard a lot about, but I don't know a whole lot about it. Well, we're going to be on site for that. The um, uh, Professor uh, Carl Blair is there with students, and they're doing some, I believe, excavation and explorations there. And we're going to go to that site, and we're going to see what they've been doing. All right. Uh, how old was the Delaware mine? Do you know? I could probably address that. Um, we we actually uh, took a group there in the 1970s uh, when it first opened as a tour uh, destination, and. Uh, that was back before they even had lights in it. We took a flashlights and went down in the mine because uh, it's one that the public can go and visit even today. Um, it operated uh, in the 1860s, 70s, up through the 1880s and 90s uh, was when it actually operated. Um, it was not a real high producing mine, but it was um, a very, uh, it did. It did. Obviously, made made money for the stockholders for a while, and uh, uh, but uh, I would encourage people to go visit that mine because I've taken many groups there, tours in the mine, and it really gives you an idea, shows you how the actually mine. You you go down on a shaft about a hundred feet, and it follows the vein of copper. Then you go on these in these uh, uh, the where the trams would go and into there where they had stopes. You can see where they stoped it out and how they actually mined it, mined copper. So uh, I, I would encourage people to go see that. So it's gonna be a good, I think it'll be a great uh, uh, talkie, talk uh, that they're gonna do on this. Yeah, it certainly sounds interesting to be able to be at the location and then also be able to hear stories about right. that particular location. Yeah. It's a really great, great program to have. And then getting into August, the Keweenaw Lighthouse is on August 2nd. That speaker series is pretty interesting. That one's going to be bringing out, I believe, one of the historic families of lighthouses up in this area, the Corgan family. Yeah, I don't, 
I'm not uh, familiar with that other than I know that the uh, the Gall Rock Lighthouse uh, is a very remote one. I mean, it's it's out between Manitou Island and the Keweenaw, and uh, I I've never been out close to it. But I um, and I and I don't other than I know that the Jeremiah Mason, uh, will, if he's the one doing the talk on it, uh, he's. He's the archivalist for the National Park Service, and he's gonna, he will do a great job with it. Lighthouses appeal to a lot of people. Uh, I served several summers as a docent at the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse, and it was interesting to me that uh, people would come in and ask about the ghost, because they found it uh, on the internet, the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse ghost, and they want to know about it. Well, I've never met the ghost. <laughs> I couldn't provide them very much information, but lighthouses have a lot of appeal to a lot of people. A lot of mystery in there. Absolutely. I would say so, too. Lighthouses were something that I, when I was growing up and being able to go out camping with my family, it was something that we would do every single week was go out to one of the local lighthouses, check out the tours, but one of my favorite ones was and still is Eagle Harbor's lighthouse. Yeah, maybe I'd like to make a comment on that one because Eagle Harbor Lighthouse Complex is our main site for the Keweenaw Historical Society. We actually have four sites at that, at that location. We have the Maritime Museum, mm -hmm. which has been redone. We have the uh, Eagle Harbor Lighthouse itself, which is, by the way, undergoing a major renovation. Yep. We just received a $60,000 grant yeah. to, uh, to upgrade that, uh, the tower. What happened was we were, there's moisture water getting in the tower itself and it's coming and doing, taking the plaster down inside and so on. So we're, we're having uh, all this work. It's going to start in August of this summer. Mm -hmm. The it actually will be uh, under operation. They hope to be concluded by the end of around in October with this project. So uh, we are fortunate to have received this grant. And I might say uh, we got it from the, from the state uh, from Lansing. I think they only issued two in the whole state of Michigan, and we got one of those. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are we're very fortunate. We do have to match it with some funds, which, by the way, <laughs> is where our money goes. We yeah. we have we 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 uh, use it wisely to try to renovate and to maintain uh, our sites. By the way, which we have six of them all over in our in the UP or in our in the Keweenaw rather and. Um, so we are very fortunate to uh, have that. And th the other site is we have a, a, a commercial fishing building at the mm -hmm. Eagle Harbor site and also a history museum. And I might add right here, we're, we're gonna be adding a new display yeah. in that history museum. Um, it's gonna be, we received this year a collection of ancient ar ar uh, copper artifacts. And conservatively, they date from 500 to 3,000 years old, these artifacts. They have been authenticated by a very professional person. And so we know that they're accurate, they're, they're, and you're going to be able to see these artifacts. Uh, we are fortunate to, to have this, and it's going to be on display this summer. Also at the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse, we're going to be displaying a 30-foot uh, mast, which came off the SS Matthew... Uh, Samuel Math Mather and it ran aground in Manitou Island in a heavy snowstorm and uh, the United States Coast Guard from Eagle Harbor took the boat out to the island to rescue the crew. The ship was towed to Superior, Wisconsin where it was repaired and put back in service as the SS Sioux Trader River Trader. In 1984 it went to scrap and in 2018 Captain Metz 
who was the captain of that ship, was oh, wow. able to rescue the uh, salvage this mast. That's really cool. And he, he installed it at his place, which he has a cottage halfway between Eagle Harbor and Copper Harbor, and he has recently donated it to us. We are in the process. It's going to take a little bit, but we're going to, we're going to actually, we found a site. We have a site at the Eagle Harbor Lighthouse. We're going to put that up, which is, it has these brass lights on it. We're going to electrify it. It's going to be really neat, uh, the mast off of that ship. So uh, people want to come check out the new things at our sites this and, summer. And it certainly sounds like you guys got a lot of really exciting things going on at the main location for the we Historic do. Society. We do, yeah. Uh, with those renovations that were happening at the main building, um, yes. what exactly was going on with that? Well, as I could say, uh, water was coming through, and, and any time you, it's a brick structure, mm -hmm. and any time that you get moisture and it gets into the brick, it will crack it, it will break through the winter, it expands, and um, so it's in, it's in need of repair. Um, so uh, there's only very few people who can qualify to do that kind of work, and we have a we have a really good one coming in to do that. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be restored and maintained because it's kind of a landmark. <laughs> like you say, you enjoy it going is, to see is. that, right? It is. So uh, it's something that people will want to check out this summer. So if you if you're there and you see work going on, you know what it is. Yep. It's actually going to start about the, about mid August when they're going to start working on that. Okay. And getting into mid August, there's the next in the speaker series. Uh, Folk music traditions in the UP. Something that I have noticed in the time that I've been up here, there's a lot of musically and musically gifted people mm -hmm. throughout the Keweenaw that play at different events throughout the throughout communities every single week, every single weekend, and it's something that is really unique to our our region. And to hear that some of this has been going on for a number of years is going to be really interesting to hear about. Um, Don, who's going to be talking at that that event? Well, if you're talking about the folk music traditions, mm -hmm. well, uh, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be talking. We're going to mostly have music. Okay. <laughs> and Daniel Truckee, who's an accomplished uh, entertainer, and um, it's folk music. It's a good time for everybody. We expect a pretty good turnout for that one. <laughs> Any uh, particular folk songs from the region that you're looking forward to for that? Or? I'll tell you what, this was put together by a committee, mm -hmm. and um, my part of the committee did not uh, orchestrate this particular uh, item, so I'm really getting... Um, can't talk to you about what kind of music, but it's folk music. Everybody knows what folk music is, yep. and it's going to be it's going to be the traditional stuff. Yeah, awesome to hear. And then right at the end of August, we're going to be talking about some of the birds that are in the Keweenaw. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what that event is. Well, going to be like? you know, everybody talks about climate change. Mm -hmm. Things are changing, and the, um, um, actually change has been going on forever mm -hmm. and it affects how we live as well as how birds live how they um, uh, flight patterns mm -hmm. their breeding distributions and their winter ranges and how it affects uh, their flyovers um, over the Keweenaw you know just about everybody has a bird feeder mm -hmm. how are things changing um, I recently uh, found in my feeder a uh, blue grosbeak that uh, in looking up the um, 
distribution, it's not supposed to be here. But oh, birds don't follow specific rules. Nothing. You can't look in a book and say the bird's going to be here or not going to be here. And um, my birding friends tells me this is highly unusual. He shouldn't be here, or she. <laughs> but they're here. And uh, fortunately, we have Professor uh, Flashbowler, who knows all about birds, can talk to him about changing patterns. And it, it is certainly a topic of discussion throughout our region as the Keweenaw is a raptor highway for migrating birds. It is. And it's great to hear that we're going to be learning a little bit more about some of the distribution and their ranges for our area. And then right at the end of summer on September 30th is a pretty exciting event, uh, one that I am certainly looking forward to. Cider making up at Central Mine. Yeah. Yeah, have have you have you been to any of those? Yet? I I have been to one. It was okay. a couple of years ago, and it was a blast. It is. We uh, it's that's one of the areas that I kind of uh, work with and head up. Um, and so we we actually have four of these old. One of these is an old antique cider press, which is cool. And I I had the privilege of running that last year. It's kind of neat. And your kids come with their apples. You bring your own apples, yep. and you dump them in, you have to chop them up, and then you run it through this press, and out comes this beautiful, good-tasting, fresh cider. And the kids, you can just see their eyes as they take a drink of that, and oh, man, is it good It's so when it's so fresh like that. So we had a great time last year. Um, that was my first time, actually my first experience with it was last year. So we would encourage people to come, uh, bring your own apples. You, you, can put them in a five gallon pail. Most of them would bring them in five gallon pails. There are apples available around some of the our sites yeah. and you can pick those up too and uh, if you want to, but um, it's a great time. Mm -hmm. and it's a family thing. Yep. Mom, dad, kids all come and we have a great time at Central. And the other part about that location and that event I think is really cool. Uh, you have that trail that goes up the yes. hill a little bit right, right at the site. And it offers a beautiful view. It does, especially that time of year, you, mm -hmm. September 30th. The colors can be really spectacular at that time. Yeah. So yeah, and by the way, Central is another one of our sites. We have uh, we have the one in um, it, it, I mentioned in Eagle Harbor. Mm -hmm. We have, but we also have one in Central. We also have another one I, I'd like to mention in Eagle River. Yeah. It's a fairly new one that we've. Uh, Actually, we had the opening, I think, in 2013. Okay. Um, I don't know how many people of your audience know, but Eagle River was actually the county seat of both Keweenaw and Houghton County oh, really? back in the early days. I mean, we're talking in the 1840s up to the 50s, 60s. It was the county seat because that's where all the activity was. Yeah. There was no Houghton or Hancock in, um, in, in the 1840s and 50s. I think Hancock, Houghton their official openings in the 1860s sometime mm -hmm. in there. So um, they have that because they found copper at the Cliff Mine, which is in 1844. Mm -hmm. That mine actually generated, the initial investors invested $110,000 in that mine. They actually, it, it closed in 1870. Didn't have a long history, but it had a great history. Mm -hmm. In the 1850s, they paid out lot, lots of money in dividends. The initial investors, by the time they closed, made over 2.7 million on their investment. Oh wow! That's a 2,000 percent yeah. return on investment, which is huge. Anybody would be love to have that. 
So it triggered the copper boom up here. Oh, absolutely. Well, in the Eagle River Museum, we have an artifact from that period. Oh, really? We were surprised. Uh, in 2000, I got a call from Virginia Jameson. She mm -hmm. was the uh, she was the president of the Keweenaw County Historic Society at that time. She says, Mel, we've just had a piano that's been donated to our society, and it belongs in Eagle River because it, it was put in Eagle River in, in the hotel there, in Phoenix Hotel. And I said, oh, okay, so we came, I took her word for it. Well, when I got and I looked at the piano, because I'm, I'm a musician, I, my, my kids are musicians, my, my daughter's an excellent piano player. So I've seen a lot of pianos. I've never seen one quite like this. And I said, hmm, this could be old. It turns out it's what's called a square grand piano. It looks like a tabletop. Yeah. Okay, when you open up the table, there's the, pian there's the keyboard. So we got it, we brought it in there. There was some controversy at the time because our Eagle River Museum is small. We don't have a lot of room for artifacts. Yeah. And it was a big one. Yeah, that, that does take up a lot of force. So my buddy and I decided, well, let's find out how, how, can we find out how old this piano is? So we, we found the number, mm -hmm. 1640, stamped on several parts of the piano. Yep. We could see the name was a W.P. Emerson mm -hmm. piano. So I went online, I Googled in that name and up came a, a website called antiquepianoshop.com. Yeah. And I got an e email for them and I said, maybe they'll know about this piano because they specialized in square grands. Oh, wow. So I, I emailed them that. I got back within two hours. They said, based on the number you gave me, your piano was made in 1852. Oh, wow. 1852. Oh, my. Well, we found out that the hotel where it was put in was built in 1853. Oh, okay. It, had, it was brought there when that hotel opened in 1853. That's incredible. Now, the question, how did it get there? Because yeah. it was built in Boston. It was made in Boston. That's where they came from. It had to come by the Erie Canal. Mm -hmm. There were no locks at the time at the Sioux. At, at, at yeah. So they had to, at that time, they had to unload all the load, put it on another ship, move it up to another ship, and reload it. It added at least a week to the trip of anything coming. But that's how it would have come. And it came there and put in our hotel, and the hotel burns in 1912. Oh, wow. The staff of the hotel realized how important that piano was. Yeah. They got the piano out before the fire got to where the piano was, and they pulled it out, and it was stayed in the, at that time, it was the Peterman family for mm -hmm. over close to 100 years and then when we got it well we raised enough money we've restored that piano it's like brand new people need to come and see that it's a it, it's in our it's in our museum it's a centerpiece of our museum and you I, I, I know I've taken a few minutes oh, to tell yeah, that story yeah. but it, it is amazing to have an it's artifact a great story from that period. to tell it's a great story yeah. to tell because being able to connect a a historic event a historic structure yeah. in Eagle River to today yeah. and being able to still have that example yes. of what people played at that time right here today for people to see is incredible when the piano came back my daughter put on a concert with that and oh, uh, wow. played period stuff on it so it's playable it's uh, and we've uh, Probably one of our adventures programmed in the future, we're going to maybe do another one. Uh, we'll have to think about that, but uh, Mel's passion, as he's displaying today, is uh, the passion that uh, members of the Kibana County Historical Society uh, demonstrate almost yeah. daily with through our volunteers and through our yes. programs and through our efforts, and that's why membership is so important. It is membership. is yeah. real important, and I would encourage people to... Uh, look into becoming a member 
we have several different areas that you can go depending on how much you can help. We depend on those funds to support our organization. Absolutely. And with it, you're going to get our what's called our Superior Signal. It comes out three times a year. We have great articles in there about their history and events that are coming up. Uh, you would get that magazine as a as a uh, uh, one of the things by becoming a member. So we'd encourage you to do that. And by the way, I think we we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. I think we have one of the largest memberships of any history association in the state of Michigan. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So I would encourage I, people to do that. I will say I absolutely love meeting everyone, every member of the Keweenaw County Historic Society. You guys are always yeah. so passionate and there's always such a wealth of knowledge about the history of yeah. the region. If you want to check us out more, check us out on our website. Our website is www.keweenawhistory.org. That's keweenawhistory.org. So I would encourage you to check out our website and uh, all these events we're talking about today are on there. Uh, a lot about how you can become a member, all that information is there for you, and I uh, would encourage you to check it out. Awesome. And with that, that uh, website will also have a list of where people can go and find out some more information yes. on the speaker series? Yep. Exactly. Especially yep. if you're interested in finding out the location. Uh, there are a few fees for some of the events, but we'll... Uh, yep. But well, it's, it's again, it's going to be worth it. You're going to really enjoy these Adventures in History programs that we've got set up this year. Yep. And with that, everyone have a good day. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Thomas, for letting us share this.